Before we start today's episode, we have a bit of news. If you've been following my social channels or Game Informer at all in these last couple of days, you might already be aware that after 15 years in games media, I've decided to step away and pursue something else. It's been an honor and a privilege to work at Game Informer this long, and I've enjoyed my career immensely. I honestly wouldn't trade it away for anything. But an opportunity came up that I just couldn't pass up. I'll still be in the games industry, but it'll be in a different capacity. Unfortunately, I can't say anything else at this point, but you can follow me at Benjamin Reeves on Twitter for updates. What that means for this show is that today is my last official episode as host for Video Gameography. I will return as a guest for the next couple of episodes to finish out the Uncharted series, so you can't get rid of me that quickly, but after our Lost Legacy episode, I will be stepping away for a time. I still hope to return for future episodes and future series as a guest, and I hope you continue to listen too because I know Marcus has great plans for the show. Thanks for joining us on this new podcast endeavor. Video Gameography has honestly been a blast to put together these last several months. We couldn't do it without listeners like you, so thank you for listening. And with that, let's get on with the show. Uncover the truth. Today on Video Gameography, the podcast where we explore the most important game franchises in history, one title at a time. I'm your host, Ben Reeves. And I'm the other host, Marcus Stewart. That's right. And today we have a very special guest, one Greg Miller, the co-founder and CEO of Kind of Funny. Hello, Greg. Hello, Ben and Mark. How are you? Good. Thanks for being on the show. Oh my yeah. god, thanks for having me. Please. It's been it's been far too long since I collaborated with Game Informer in any capacity. It's good to be back. <laughs> no, it's been it's been great. I reached out and I was like, hey, do you want to be on our Uncharted series? And you specifically called out three. You were like, yeah, I want to like, do which anyone you want. I'm like, let's do three. Three is the one I'm infamous for. I gave it a 10 at IGN.com. So let's go. Wow. I'll strap in. <laughs> yeah, you want to just uh, dive into it? Why? Why do you love three so much? I mean, I like it, too. I'm not going to, like, say it's a terrible game or anything, but that's the thing with all the Uncharted is when people start getting in a fight about it. I feel like we're we're it's like we're arguing about pizza, right? Pizza's great overall. Like, which is your favorite mm. kind of pizza? That's a you know, a, it can change with the wind. It can be a different thing. Yeah, it's just with three. It kind of sits between two and four, which are kind of held up by a lot of people as the best ones. Mm. And so three kind of gets overlooked a little bit, but. I don't know. Maybe you could talk about like why specifically sure. three is is beloved to you. So you know, for me and my history with Uncharted, um, I got to start at IGN right as the ramp up to the original Uncharted began. So I'm old, and I started at IGN in 2007. And I remember like our first, my first big trip. We went down to LA, and we were with all the other journos, and it was me and the IGN PlayStation team on a bus. And we were breaking up the games everybody was going to cover. And it was like, all right, Greg, you're going to be on Uncharted. And I was like, what is Uncharted? And like, oh, it's the new game. It, it used, I forget what its code name was. It was Big, right? Was it Big? Project like Big. Codename Big, yeah. It had just gotten named Uncharted, or it might have been this event where they revealed it was named Uncharted. And it was, he's like, you know, it's this game, Naughty Dog, you know, they did Crash, they did this, okay. They did Jack, which I was a huge fan of. And I was like, great. And so we got there, and I remember everyone who played that demo was like, oh my God, when he gets out of the water, his pants are wet. <laughs> like, that was the thing, right? And of course, Dude Raider and everything else. And so 
You know, that's not a big uh, deal. When I get out of bed in the morning, my pants are wet. Exactly right. Yeah. Now we've come so far. Everybody has wet yeah. pants, let alone in video games. But it was this thing that I got to cover through my, you know, first my formative years there at IGN, the start of the career there. And then, you know, uh, my boss at the time, Chris Roper, uh, you know, he had his first child and his paternity leave just happened to net out with the uh, release of Uncharted. So Uncharted was my first big video game review. And I got to do that and live that dream and have people, you know, from uh, back home hit me up and be like, you know, I had no idea you went and did this, but I would turn on the IGN review and it's you. and This is amazing. And I was like, ah, oh, it's so cool. Let alone to be there for, you know, the pivot point for Naughty Dog, where Naughty Dog goes from being somebody who makes video games to being Naughty Dog. Like this is them beginning that path. To get to Uncharted 3, I think Uncharted 2 is a big part of it, where I didn't review it. Roper was back from paternity leave, but I was like second opinion on it and obviously covered it. And I remember coming in after beating Uncharted 2 and sitting down to talk with Roper about it. And he's like, I'm going to give it, I think he gave it a 9.5. And I gave Uncharted 1 a 9.1 or a 9.3, somewhere in there. It was back when the really granular scientific method of reviewing mm-hmm. video games where we're not we're down to the de- decimal point here people you know what i yeah, mean <laughs> they broke down every like point of a game and then there was some kind of formula you had to add them all up yeah, right we broke you broke down the other yeah, sound the graphics whatever there then there was no formula and it was the most confusing thing because people would every review be like if you average these scores that doesn't come up no 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 those are what we thought of those things but it comes down to this is nightmarish stuff it was just sure. you know Everybody floundering, trying to figure out how to review video games. Uh, but when I came in, you know, after beating Uncharted 2 to talk to Rope about it, I remember being like, honestly, I'm kind of disappointed. And I think that is where you get into what kind of Uncharted player are you? And for me, I am in Uncharted for the story. I am in it for the characters. I'm in it for that pulp adventure part of it. And there is a bunch of Uncharted folks who are in it for combat and we'll talk your ear off about the gunplay and how yada yada this that and i'm always the guy who's like oh, i never even noticed it like you know the uncharted is uncharted i they i shoot through a circle rather than a crosshair which to me means it's going to be inaccurate <laughs> like that's part of what they're going for with whatever their vision of it is and so uncharted 2 which again i love we are talking about pizza it is a great game it is a fantastic game obviously better than uncharted 1 it was the fact though that on a story level I felt Uncharted 2 was just Uncharted 1 again, where it was the, you know, we start this thing. He's not together with Elena. We start with, you know, a big action, action set piece, this, that, and the other. All right, you know, bring them together, tear them apart. All right, cool. Guess what? There's a supernatural twist at the end that's really weird. And this is the thing. We beat the bad guy and Nate and Elena are all happy-go-lucky. And that's the credits. And I remember being like, oh, like I wanted this game to start with them together, Nate and Elena together. I wanted to see the continuation of Uncharted 1. And I felt like this was a very, Uncharted 2 was in, they all are for that point, with the exception, I guess, of 4 now, but at the time period, right? They all were very Indiana Jones, where I feel like every Indiana Jones movie starts kind of the same way and you can watch them in any order and it doesn't really matter. And I get that's what they were going for and it wasn't what I wanted. So when Uncharted 3 hits and their selling point and pre-marketing beats for it are that it's going to be a Nate and Sully story. I was immediately more interested. Like I was like, okay, cool. Yes, let's flesh out these characters and take them into a different direction and show me what that's like. And let alone then to get to chapter two, right? Where it is young Drake's story. And like, at you know, now everybody knows about that. But at the time, especially, you know, reviewing it and being a, a pre-release on that, I remember the excitement of opening that up and being like, what? Like I'm playing as young, oh my, and you go through that and you run into Victor and you see how he was playing Marlowe and we start to see that go, let alone to take that narrative thread of, you know, the apprenticeship all the way to the end where it is, you know, Sully at that airport being like, listen, Nate, I never had a kid and I never wanted a kid, but like, I know what a good, and I, granted, 
you can easily throw it right back in my face. Everything I'm saying, like, wait, this game starts with him and Elena not together. And I'm like, yes, that's accurate. But at least we started tackling it and they were married and there's this thing. And it's Uh like that, even if that's the the weakest part of my argument, fine. But I appreciate the growth moments. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And that was the thing. But there is a thing. They got married. Their relationship advanced. We see a little bit and we see conflict there. And, you know, I think we've talked about it before, Ben. You mentioned, you know, a growth moment. There's growth in this game for these characters. And that meant something to me, let alone the fact that. I thought it was an interesting of like I remember playing be like oh my god like roll my eyes like are we getting into another supernatural thing and no there's justifications to it right like they've drugged Nate in the one thing the water's being poisoned here like they're it isn't you know it's fantastical fantasy stuff but and there's you know you also have to suspend disbelief of like wait how did Talbot get out of that area? like when they, they corner him and he disappears like how the hell did he get out of there? <laughs> like there's all this stuff but it was like they kept giving you the red herring that it was going to be supernatural, and then it wasn't. And I appreciated that. And I think, you know, their focus on melee, uh, the set pieces, like, obviously, we all talk about the train from Uncharted 2, but I remember the plane sequence in Uncharted 3 so well. And that's, yeah. that's I guess that's another thing, especially, you know, what, geez, 11 years? Is that right? That can't be right. That's right, isn't it? Oh, my God. 11 years since Uncharted 3? Sitting yeah. here and being like... Wild? I remember so many more moments, I would say, from Uncharted 3 than Uncharted 2. And again, not to say I don't remember Uncharted 2, like Elena Fisher, last year's model, is such a great line in Uncharted 2, mm-hmm. right? But like, I, I remember sitting there and that first time Catherine Marlowe has her glasses off and she has the book and she's like, oh, I think I know you better than yourself, Mr. Drake. Or I know you better than anyone, Mr. Drake. But that's not your real name, is it? But no need to focus on that. And I was like, no, no, focus on that. What are you doing? Like, it was this thing of showing that she was this villain that was ahead of the game in a way that wasn't Lavar Lazarevich. Mm-hmm. I want to drink blue sap from this tree. All right, here comes a boring ass boss fight. Like well, I it, don't know that blue sap sap looked pretty tasty. I, I it guess did I'd, look good. Oh no, get yeah, me wrong. It, I'd it, take a glass. It reminded me a lot of like the food from Hook, the imaginary Fuji. Like, you know what? Oh I'd yeah, eat that, that, that looks good. pretty good. We've talked a lot in previous episodes just about Uncharted's, I guess, villain problem. You could call it. Sure. Just sure. the, the villains in the first two games were pretty lame. And I think three was sort of a turning point. It's, it definitely has better, more memorable villains. I think the last boss fight is still maybe lacking a little bit. But I mean, you, can, I don't know, you can't beat up an old lady, right? So so they had to have <laughs> another character for you to fight. But 100%. at least Catherine was interesting. And like part of that's the voice actress, I'm sure, just bringing a lot to the table. But she was definitely a, a sort of an imposing character and a unique character for the franchise. Yeah, because I think it was one of those where she was, you felt like she was using her smarts. Like, she, and not, not to mention she knew Sully for so long and all these different things. Whereas, yeah, Uncharted 1, right? It's a deal gone wrong or whatever. And then you had Eddie running around. And then Uncharted 2, yeah, you know, it's Lazarevich. Okay, cool. He's going to go do this thing. And then you get to hear where it is an intellectual villain more than a physical one. And again, yeah, I feel like you get into that point where, yeah, Uncharted's have these troubled final boss battles because honestly to me that's not what the game is the game is the climbing the exploration the you know fun actiony gunplay and then all right now you have to 1v1 this guy and it's like well is that interesting and i think they do better job later on you know like the cutlass fight and a few other things as we go further into the series but we are seeing them take those steps to become again the naughty dog that is the naughty dog we know and love now yeah for sure well yeah marcus what about you what was your take on uncharted 3 when you first played it I loved it. I remember feeling like it was, it didn't blow me away the same way Uncharted 2 did, because it's not the same leap that Uncharted 2 was from Uncharted 1. So, like, I remember at the time thinking, like, oh, this is really fun, but it was almost like it plateaued a little bit, just in terms of, like, the scope and 
and some of the uh like set piece stuff even though it's still spectacular like you mentioned greg the uh airplane thing is still super cool um what i loved about it and i I think i'm in the same boat as you greg of the uncharted player that likes the story and the characters more so than the gameplay i think the gameplay is fine but whenever i hear people complain but like ah, the gunplay is not great i'm always like "Eh, i don't really care like it's fine did you notice why why did you notice it (laughs) i'm not not that guy (laughs) and it's not terrible it's like unless it was like horrible then i'd notice but it's like oh it's it's good enough for what this series needs to be for me at least so uh what i love about the story like i love like said the sully and nate relationship getting a lot more of a spotlight i loved uh the villain like i think Catherine marlowe still is the best villain in the entire series mainly because she's the only one i can ever remember by name <laughs> and i was impressed that you remember lazarevich's name greg i was like oh, okay somebody else i've been doing this a long time marcus i've been talking about uncharted for a lot of years <laughs> yeah it's like even i when i had to look him i was like yeah that's right that was his name but Catherine's the only one's like yeah yeah she's cool and a lot of because like she's having that personal connection to sully her not being an angry mercenary army man but more of like a you know head of this weird secret society that seems to know everything yeah like that's just scarier and i like that the story kind of reflects that and that the story's overall like like the stakes feel higher and and darker especially when you get into like drake's obsession with treasure hunting and how all the other characters kind of like are suffering because of that and Mm -hmm, trying mm -hmm. to like back off like hey man i don't know about this this seems seems more dangerous than what we're used to we're gonna maybe take a back seat on this i i like the stakes in this and it it just felt like i mean at the time thinking that this was probably the final uncharted game i i don't think naughty dog from what i remember ever built it as that but it felt like, like oh i think this might be it for them it felt like a really satisfying conclusion like i think i remember walking away and like oh I, I don't think i need any more of these i think this is a good way to end this and then four came along and you know we'll talk about it and kind of justified itself as a as it gets yeah. the real send-off but yeah i think it's a phenomenal game it came out in a pretty stacked year and i think they had that going against it too like it was what like a couple weeks or a week maybe before skyrim yeah arkham arkham city was that yeah i just remember like i mean it was a great year and being excited for it but i'm like oh i don't know if this is like standing up as well at least in my personal consciousness compared to like maybe oh nine when two came out which that's also- a conversation i've had with so many people too where it's like you brought it up of like it felt like a plateau from two and so there's always been that conversation of like well and obviously this is a weird world but what about it, a world where uncharted three came first and uncharted two came later like would people still say uncharted two is is better than uncharted three or is it the fact that playing uncharted 2 was such a step up from uncharted 1 graphically fidelity cinematography you you name it that train sequence to open like right like uncharted 2 was so great but is uncharted 3 just more it's just more of greatness (laughs) so you're like all right cool like i knew it is a known quantity it's like more technically impressive i think the crumbling city thing at the end when you're platforming across is amazing and like re-watching it now like it's still like no this is still like looks great and matt uh helgos mentioned last week of like it seems like we've we hit like diminishing returns with graphics a long time ago uh where it's like oh no this series was already just really <laughs> pushing against the ceiling of what you can get away with from a it technical still standpoint. ps3 it's yeah. yeah yeah it was still the playstation 3 yeah i guess like late ps3 but even then the ps3 still had like two years left before you know the ps4 came out and for me it's always i, I remember playing it and reviewing it and when it's I forget the sequence exactly, but like when, once Nate falls out of the plane and lands or whatever, you're given control back of the sticks and what you have to walk up like a giant sand dune while the orchestra swells and the city yeah. is revealed. And I remember when 
he landed at the base of the sand dune or the you know the spine of it or whatever and i remember just sitting there and i'm like oh, this is a weird pacing and i was like i pushed the stick i'm like oh this isn't a cutscene. oh like i have to move the character like i'm yeah. i'm interacting here i didn't see that coming and that's the stuff we overlook right like and again because it's like at that even at that point you're like oh man uncharted 2 is so good and naughty dog's so good at making games and making them look like but like little moves like that sleight of hands and like i i went back and watched uh, to get prepped for this i went back and watched my ign review I call out the fact, like the context stuff of Nate walking and touching the wall, which every game does now. But that was the first time we I had seen that, that they had made a big deal about like, it's not just Nate's character model walking through. It was these little things or the stumbles or whatever. It was trying to make this feel like, you know, to bring Nolan North's actual mocap performance, or at least the, you know, specter of that into this of like, it's not just the cutscenes where this looks like a real person. We're trying to put that into the game. Yeah, we even talked about like in the first Uncharted, they really pushed their animations so that their animations were very dynamic when they were getting shot at or whatnot. And it looked good in Uncharted 1, but definitely by Uncharted 3, it was like at a new level. For sure. Even that fight scene in the beginning of the game where you're in that bar and you're fighting guys, they definitely Mm -hmm. like, they expanded on the combat quite a bit. And just, you know, there's so many cool camera angles where you're fighting guys and like grabbing a bottle and smashing. Yeah, it's just the animation was top, top notch for sure. Yeah, that was all new too, right? That was the first time they introduced that combat system, the reversals for uh, yeah. um, uh, hand-to-hand stuff. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, to your point of like camera angles, right? Like that fight where the big guy, on the, I still think it's funny, the big guy throws you over the side and you tumble and you fall through the poker table and then they cut the camera to the guys, the goons look at you and then they look <laughs> up to the guy and it's like, get him! And they grab Drake. Like, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. And that was like, I thought such a good merger of what we love story and character-wise from cutscenes with the actual gameplay. For sure. It is an interesting, like if you could just go into an alternate reality and just see a world where they released three first and then two came out later, what the reception for both would be. That would be an interesting experiment. Marcus, do you want to get on that? Yeah, somebody hit up the flash. Let's get an alternate timeline going just for that. Yeah, I got you. I've got him on speed dial. You know what I mean? That was a good pun, Marcus. Come Uh, on now. Perfect. Let's see. Uncharted 3 released November 1st, 2011. You're right, Marcus, because Skyrim was 11-11. So that would have been just like 10 days before Skyrim is portal Two that year too. Is that right? Yeah. So, so other games of 2011 are portal Two, Skyrim, as we said, Batman, Arkham city, the <sighs> first, I mean, Arkham asylum was first, but the Arkham oh, city first was open, world. open world. Yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. The legend of Zelda skyward sword mass effect two was another big game. Lord. And then God. that was also the year that Nintendo released the three DS. What oh, a year. Right. Wow. Yeah. Also, it was uh, Uncharted 3 and Skyrim released in between my birthday, which is the real event of 2011 and really any year. Uh, but I was thinking about like, man, that was a good month for me. <laughs> my D-Day. So I remember That's getting right. both of those day one and been like, yeah, I'm living, sitting pretty however old I was in 2011. Did people ever give you games for your birthday? Uh, Skyrim was actually a gift. Oh, nice. My roommates at the time. Very nice. That's a good, uh, good roommate. A couple of films of 2011 are Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, Transformers Dark of the Moon, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which I like that one, Fast Five, and Cars 2, which broke the Pixar streak of good films, I would say. <laughs> yeah, you did right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to cast your mind back into 2011 a little bit more, that was the year that the Egyptian Revolution began. You guys remember that? Oh, wow. That was that far back. Yeah. I don't know why that feels more recent to me for some reason. It does a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, there was also the year Osama bin Laden was assassinated. And Game of Thrones debuted on HBO. What if you can believe it? And all this stuff sounds 
both like ancient history and then so recent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> weird, weird how time works, isn't it? So we talked last episode about Uncharted 2, about how Bruce Straley and Amy Hennig co-directed that one. Bruce Straley, after Uncharted 2, he left, uh, not Naughty Dog, but he left that team and he and Neil Druckmann started prototyping something that eventually became Last of Us. The last terrible one, business me. move. Oh my god! Yeah, what, uh, what are they thinking? Still kicking himself to this day. Both of them. Yeah, but that was kind of a shift in the company at the time, where they had been a one-project studio for a long time, and then after Uncharted Two, they kind of shifted, and they started to become a two-project studio. And so you had both of those games around the same time, which you know worked out in the long run. But I think there was some growing pains associated with that, and by all accounts, Uncharted 3's development suffered a little bit of of that just the fact that some of their heavy hitters on the development team were moving over so there was a there was a bit of a rough time i think during development especially leading up to the end of you know the crunch period for uncharted 3 it sounds like but that's crazy to think about oh yeah last of us part two or excuse me part one would have been <laughs> in development right around the same time yeah. well if you remember too and i'm i don't think i'm screwing this up but it's been a while right Remember that in the bar in Uncharted 3 is the newspaper that teases Unch The Last of Us, where it's like, oh, cordyceps, or there's this new play or thing that could be a problem or whatever it says, I forget. And I remember, is it that Uncharted, either one of them got delayed, either the teaser for Last of Us got delayed or Uncharted 3 got delayed, and that got it close to a point where people were now worried about it. I remember being the after effect, because it's that, you're at Game Awards where they do the Last of Us trailer. And so in the run-up to that, they started putting out those weird videos of just the ants that were getting taken over by Cordyceps. And it was a PlayStation game, but we didn't know the studio. We didn't know anything. And so I remember there being this big thing when it actually got announced that there was like, whew, we were afraid that that was going to worry. But I can't remember what the timeline is anymore. God, this is a bad story, but there's something here about, <laughs> <laughs> about the newspaper and the actual announcement of uh, Last of Us were somehow... It sounds like there's an interesting story in there for sure. Uncharted 2 came out in 2009, so that would have been just two years prior. So I don't think Uncharted 3 got delayed. I don't remember a delay for that game. But yeah, must there was, I, I think Last of Us probably got delayed because they pulled some of the Last of Us team over to help finish Uncharted 3 near the end. Yeah, yeah. I remember Last of Us it, it feeling like it had been it pushed at some point. I feel like it was announced. I'm going to say early, but I just remember there was something of a, like a long lead up to that game. And I, I vaguely remember at least maybe one delay there. Yeah. But the fact that there's ties into the last of us in that game, make you think, okay, so did, did the world that uncharted four takes place in, was that before the downfall of humanity? Well, that's always been a question, right? Like could, I don't think naughty dog has ever confirmed. Like did they just straight up exist in the same World? No, it's it's not. It's they aren't. It was just it's supposed to be some joke or whatever. I think okay. it's just a playful nod, but it is interesting to think like if you could were going to try to create one world out of them. Yeah, like could Joel run into post-apocalyptic Nathan Drake with a beard, just miserable. Hold on. So here, I want to. I'm trying to figure out what I screwed up here. <laughs> I want. I want to. It's again. I'm dusting off these memories. I mean, I'm on uh, Polygon right now from 2013. It's Megan when she was there. Uncharted 3's Last of Us Easter egg was a slip. Creators say in 2011, Uncharted 3 players noticed uh, what is uh, now known as an Easter egg for the Naughty Dog's upcoming survival game, The Last of Us. A slip that nearly spoiled the studio's surprise. It was entirely their fault. Kotaku reports. The Last of Us was officially unveiled in December 2011 at the Spike Video Game Awards. God, this Spike Video Game Awards. 
Mm. Old. Uh, speaking with <laughs> Kotaku, creative director Neil Druckmann and game director Bruce Straley uh, explained that the reveal of The Last of Us, which Naughty Dog worked on in secret, was initially planned for June that year. By the time Uncharted oh. 3 launched in November, it would have been common knowledge. Of course, that didn't happen. Uncharted 3 was released with the Easter egg still in-game, which Naughty Dog had completely forgotten about. The nod took the form of a newspaper found in the corner of the bar, like we're talking. And the, the headline was, scientists still struggling to understand deadly virus. Quote, we should have taken it out. <laughs> Druckmann told Kotaku, we screwed up. Oof, there you okay. go. That was going to drive yeah. me crazy. Thank you for indulging me to go find it. Well, now, what an interesting story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I had the pieces. I couldn't get them in order. Go to Polygon to get it. Yeah, that is interesting that Last of Us would have been announced before. 83, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, going back to Uncharted 2, though, we talked about the big set pieces, and that was like a big thing that made that game such a hit. Is people really fell in love with like the train sequence and and Naughty Dog just felt like, yeah, we're going to focus in on doing more big, spectacular set pieces. And I I would say Uncharted 3 probably has more of those. I think you were kind of alluding to that, Greg. You know, there's the boat where you're running across the boat and it's falling apart. There's obviously the. Yeah, because the boat, there's the ballroom sinking scene, right? Where like the boat's tipping up and you're climbing out that way. Yeah, Yeah, and then there's the airplane scene. Yeah. Which they clearly took inspiration for in the film. Yeah, uh, and then, you know, there's the the sequence even where you're running across the desert in the camels, the, the Lawrence of Arabia scene. So I feel like there's more big set piece moments in three. No, you're right. I don't know what it is. I don't know why some of them aren't as memorable. I don't know if it's maybe there's so much of them that they maybe bled together at a certain point. But I, I think the jig's them. up. I think the jig was up. Like that's I, after Uncharted two. That's what you expected from Uncharted, and I don't think it matters yeah. as much that Uncharted two had the big train scene we all remember because. That made the impression. That made the mark. You remember that moment. So then Uncharted 3, we have to put more in and starts getting into a model. Well, I expect big things. So you don't even think about how big these are anymore. Yeah. So I was like the uh, the ship sinking thing was actually like super cool. <laughs> like seeing a flood in real time and you're like climbing yeah. the chandelier. So like, why don't we talk about this more? <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember being blown away by that ship sinking sequence. I was like, this is the coolest moment maybe in any video game ever. And then the airplane sequence was also really cool. Do you think we'd even remember because the airplane sequence they had revealed before the game came out, like that was like the big thing that they put out there in like a subway like, commercial. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> was, was he remember... like diving for a subway or something? Yeah, the sandwich. Yeah, oh yeah, they had subway. Yeah, they he, there was a whole thing of him hanging out the on the thing, and they just edited it. And he's like, eat fresh or whatever with the <laughs> yeah, sandwich. It looked so janky, like it was yeah, just photoshopped into his hand. Yeah, it was terrible. Oh, wow, I don't remember that at all. Wow, maybe yeah. I'm glad it's one. It's one of those memories I distinctly remember because. It was like literally I was so excited to get Uncharted 3 the next day for review. And like that night they debuted that commercial. And I was like, I don't want to know any more about this game. <laughs> like it would have been <laughs> awesome to fall out of a plane and not know I was about to fall out of a plane. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that's why that scene is so memorable. It's like, oh, we kind of saw it for like all the marketing stuff. And like when you get to it in the game, you're like, oh, here we go. This is the thing. Yeah. There's like the train thing. You know, they tease it in game at the beginning, the in, in media res thing. But even then, you didn't know what happened. You saw the aftermath. Like, oh, okay. What what was this all about? Yeah, he's bleeding, hanging. Yeah, yeah. I know Naughty Dog wanted to put a big focus on melee, which we already talked about. So the melee system was totally revamped. Which I actually really liked the melee system in Uncharted Three. I remember several sequences in the game where I would try to like, I'm not even going to do gunplay here. I'm just going to try to like rush these guys and fight them yeah, with my he would, bare like, hands. Zip over to them if you were close enough. Yeah, yeah. You're like almost teleporting across the field, which felt nice, and also it just felt. 
to me, like it made dress or Drake, excuse me, feel less like a murderer mowing <laughs> <and not just laughs> down like a hundred dudes. Like, well, in my head canon, he feels like more of a fist fighter guy. <laughs> so I just kind of want to melee everybody. <laughs> yeah. If you're punching a guy, he's just getting knocked out. It's kind of Indiana Jones, right? Whereas yeah. if you're shooting people, they're dying. Yeah. Not, not the uncharted one. Uncharted one, like monster closets of pirates coming over the wall, and you're just AKing them, like, die, 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 die. They just need to put like big boxing gloves on all the bullets, and then you just feel like you're knocking the guys out instead of yeah. instead of like killing them. This is Drake just he adopts a Batman no kill policy, and they establish that he just uses rubber bullets for everything. That's exactly. Right. He has Naderangs that he's just throwing at everybody. <laughs> Giant gun. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, the big desert sequence was a big thing for them. I remember. So Brian Vore, who worked for Game Informer at the time, he either wrote a cover story or some kind of like big feature on the game where he went to visit Naughty Dog. And there was some anecdote that from the team back then where they were really impressed with the sand in the game Journey. You know, that company, that yeah. game company's Journey. The sand in that game looked incredible. And so Naughty Dog was like going over to that game company. Like, how are you guys doing the sand? Like, we, we, we're working on sand, too. Like, we want to do what you guys are doing. Uh, and that game company's like, oh, yeah, it's easy. We just took one of like the s- core processors from the PlayStation. Just that's all that's doing is making sand. And, and Naughty Dog's like, well, we can't do that. We, that's a little we, bit tougher for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't have like one processor just solely focused on that. But I still think the sand looked pretty good. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. well, that would have been because uh, Journey didn't release till the following year. So like, I wonder, like, I guess, you know, they would have had some knowledge of what that studio was doing and somebody saw something there and was like we gotta go check this out i in my mind i was thinking like wait didn't journey come like a good while after three well uh, journey was announced a ways before it was was put out i believe and they were using them that was still one that game company had like their uh, incubator deal with sony for multiple games so it was probably internally getting kicked around from them at the santa monica incubator talking about everything right right yeah yeah it's just interesting to think about both those games being developed at the same time I mean, those two games still maybe to this day have the best video game sand. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I mean, development was hard. Probably not as hard as the first game. Like I said, but there was like one last minute bug fix they found right near the end of development, which almost they almost shipped a totally broken game. Apparently, there's a quote from um, Christian Gearling. Is that how you say his name? At the time, he was one of the vice presidents for Naughty Dog. But oh, they were, yeah. They were taking the game home. He took the game home to play it like a couple of weeks before they went gold and they shipped it out just to play through the whole thing one final time. Anyway, this is a quote he's had. He wrote on a a NaughtyDog.com blog post a few years ago for the 10 year anniversary. So just like last year, I guess. Anyway, he says the game was almost done. We had sent most of the team home to play the game. We only had a few days left for our before we were submitting the final build to Sony for manufacturing. I myself brought the game home and started playing the game from the beginning. And after a few hours of playing, the game started having glitches. The glitches got worse and worse until enemies would become invisible. The ocean became blood red and levels became outright missing entirely. I freaked out. And then the next morning I walked into Evan's office saying, we can't ship a game like this. And so they had like hours to like put in a patch fix. Apparently it was a problem with release day PS3s, but every PS3 since then was fine with the game. But there was like the original PS3s were not working with the game. So they had to like put out a patch scramble and put in this patch within like two days. 
everything you said sounded just like one of the hallucination sequences from three. <laughs> they should have that's what was it. happening. Yeah, they yeah, were just, just having we, a hallucination. Yeah, they just ship it and just said, like, no, 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 this is supposed to happen. It's a miracle we get any video game ever. Yeah, it really is. It was in the same blog post, Evan Wells, who was the president, still is the president, right? Yeah, he's co-president, I think, with Neil now. Yeah, he was like, uh, here's something I would do differently. He said, announcing <laughs> your ship date the same day that you announce your game is not a great idea. Our reveal trailer included our release date, and sticking to that was extraordinarily difficult. We had to pull almost all of the already limited resources from early development on The Last of Us over to this project, and it was still a develop- uh, challenging development process. Glad no one does that anymore. Yeah, nobody. It's great. But, I mean, like we said, I think we're all fans. I know there's some detractors out there, but I don't know what they're complaining about, really. Yeah, is it like the un- like the Uncharted one thing of, like, people ragging on that game after the fact when it's like, it's not a bad game. It's just It was a good game, and then the sequels were just better. <laughs> so it just it just became worse by comparison, I guess. But yeah, there's three, a lot of that for sure. Yeah. And three, like I said, like the, the worst thing I could ever say about it, it's like, oh, it feels more like Uncharted 2, this awesome game. <laughs> like it didn't maybe push the bar as much as Uncharted 2 did, but it has nothing to do with it being bad. Like it's a super fun game. And if you love that series, then you'll I really don't see why you wouldn't love this one at all. I remember people being on it about uh, the gunplay and they're always on it about gunplay in every Naughty Dog game period. But there was something that they changed in the initial rollout of Uncharted 3's gunplay that people hated. I remember they like brought in a group of Naughty Dog super fans to like have them. It was after launch play Mm -hmm. it and then tweak stuff and put out a patch for it for whatever they thought was wrong with it. But again, I'm not the first person shooter. I need this to be pinpoint accurate. You know what I mean? Like I'm used to Drake in one, two, and then three shooting people in the head and that not counting as a real headshot. That's not taking the person out. You know what I mean? Like, all right, whatever. Yeah. The one thing that I'll say about that game, and this is more of like a, this is such a gamey thing. Whereas you'll line up a shot with a guy and you can tell that the AI is sort of dodging and weaving out of your way, almost to the point where it's like, how does this guy know where my crosshair is? Like, it's like he's dodging <laughs> right out of the way of the crosshair. And it's totally a game thing to make the game a little bit more fun. Like, it's a little bit more challenging to line up a shot. But that's one of the things about Uncharted's gameplay I've always sort of noticed is how the AI is so aware of where I'm shooting. Ben, those are trained soldiers. They've been getting shot that's at true. for a long time. They can. The they first just, thing they're taught in basic training is to dodge and weave. As long as you and keep it, dodging and weaving, you can't, you can't you just hit. feel like a gun being pointed at you. You know it. I remember to them, you know, the main thing people would throw, throw at me when they, I, you know, after my review was live and then they got their hands on it was uh, the annoying uh, gunfight you had to get on the ship. When you get to like the shipyard and you're making your way through it and like there's all, I remember there, it's hard now obviously, but I remember there were a ton of snipers and there was a whole bunch of people to shoot and fight that from at a distance. And I remember my boss at the time when he had the copy texting me and being like dude this section what the hell <laughs> and i'm like oh yeah it's tough it's hard but you can get through it it was one of those things of like i think people wanted that there was like those specific difficulty spikes that people had an issue with i remember that sequence like i think there was just too many enemies in that area yeah. where you just yeah. kind of get a little bit tired of the the same thing over and of over course. again i remember that sequence the part of the game that i had the biggest problem with <laughs> is there's a sequence where right after the plane crash you're running through the desert it's for like 10 minutes. It's a pretty long scene where yeah. Nathan is just super dehydrated and he's seen hallucinations, uh, yeah. like visions on the horizon. And you're like, man, this guy just needs a drink of water. And then he finally 
breaks into an enemy encampment or something. He even lands in like a pool of water. And then there's immediately a shootout. And I'm like, um, I just, I really want him to have a drink of water first. What can I drink? <laughs> it just felt like the people shooting at like just real quick. Just give me a glass. And we they should have taken three seconds and let Nathan have a sip of water because the whole time I was like, this guy needs to get water or he's going to die. And I just felt like he needed to take a sip before he could got into another firefight. Yeah. Did you guys get I rewatching that scene? Uh, one remembering like, wow, this was this was pretty long. I remember it being pretty long at the time. It's like this is longer than even I remember. But also feeling like anxiety the entire time and i think realizing that I was like you know what i think this might be the scariest way a person can die is alone <laughs> in the desert like you know people say drowning is the worst thing that can happen to you but just watching him wander with like you have no idea if you're moving closer or further away from civilization you don't see anything on the horizon and him just slowly losing his mind but i was like this is awful yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm kind of, like tense the whole time and nothing's really happening he's just walking and I remember that being a sticking point. Like, I remember I adored that. Like, I loved being in that moment and having that anxiety and feeling all that. And so many people wanted it to, you know, like, oh, this is boring. Like, but it's the story and it's Nate evolving and changing and learning things. Like, no, nah, I always want to go shoot stuff. I'm like, all right, well, I oh, understand. Yeah, I, I like that part, too, because uh, Uncharted is so well known for its big bombastic set pieces. So that the fact that they took 10 minutes to just slow down and have some an interesting sequence where Nate is just walking and trying to survive and there's not a ton of gameplay with it. That in my mind was cool. I felt like a brave move on their part. It's also a good callback to earlier in the story when, um, when they discover that the city is in the middle of this huge desert. And I think like Cutter and Chloe are like, how are you, how are we going to find it? <laughs> like, it's just nothing. <laughs> desert. And he's just nonchalant. And he's like, ah, it's no big deal. It's in the middle of like this 600,000 mile desert. So if we, you know, it'll be 300 miles because it's right in the middle. It's no big deal. So to have him get stranded, it almost felt like uh, him sort of eating his words a bit. Like, yeah, this <laughs> this super sucks, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're like, man, it sucked when I was like hanging backwards out of a plane. And then you like land. And you're like, ooh, I'm safe. And then you're like, it sets in like, oh, this super sucks now. This is even worse. <laughs> and I was thought, like, maybe he should have stayed with the plane a little longer. Like, it's kind of a smoke signal, and maybe there's some water in there. There's a bunch of supplies and wreckage around. <laughs> I was just kind of driving me nuts. Like, maybe dig around there first before yeah, you Yeah, maybe there's a walk radio out in there. To, yeah, like, you're walking out to God knows where. Maybe grab some stuff. I don't know. Yeah. At least you could hang out in the shade. Walk at yeah. night. Drake's a man of action, all right, guys? He's a man of action. He's going to go out there. He's going to get it done. <laughs> yeah, why didn't he just make some water out of sand? Just squeeze the sand until water comes out. Yeah, could have drank the plane fuel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Make a car. Any other big moments? What's your, your guys' favorite moments from Uncharted 3? For me, yeah, it's that, definitely that Catherine Marlowe conversation where, like, you know, I mean, we've been with Drake for two and a half games at that point, and I never considered that. I didn't really know his backstory, that his name really wasn't Drake, that he didn't have this, you know, he manufactured this whole sir francis drake obsession he has kind of thing i was like oh my god that was crazy and then yeah like in terms of gameplay it would be that first reveal of uh young drake where you start playing that because i remember that being so unexpected and i know you know you, you can go in and like naughty dog's done the similar things now in their other games but at the time they had it and that was like such a cool narrative device to get us there yeah i really like i've always loved the scene when he uh after he gets out of the desert and he goes to see elena at her house and he's just like just done basically just physically just done and he's you know she tells him like hey we got to go get sully and he mm -hmm. just wants to go immediately and she's like well no you gotta we gotta stay tonight the plane doesn't leave till tomorrow morning and they have that moment on the couch where he just kind of rests her head or his head on her yeah 
and they hold hands for a bit and he just like he just says that he's sorry yeah and like that quiet moment that's probably my favorite singular moment from that entire game because i love those two so much and i thought that was just like the quieter moments with those two are always some of my favorite moments of the series of a whole and i think that's one of their best ones also uncharted 3 like you mentioned greg earlier the um elena line from uncharted 2 uncharted 3 maybe has my second favorite line in the very beginning when they when when catherine's first revealed and she puts her umbrella down because it's raining and Nate says, like, you know, careful now. Wouldn't want you to melt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is pretty good. You guys both mentioned things that I think are probably worth talking. There's the Nate and Elena stuff we talked about last time where in the first game, she's just like the love interest and kind of generic character. And in the second game, it's like, oh, OK, it's cool that she came back for the second game. And they established like this isn't a James Bond thing where it's like a new girl every episode. But it's not really until the third game where I feel like they're starting to tell a bit more of a mature, uh, almost love stories. I don't even know if love story is appropriate. They're telling a mature relationship. Like they were married at one point and it didn't work out. Like that's kind of a mature thing for a game to explore. And it, I just thought it was a really interesting way for them to show a story about two people who care about each other and are trying to figure it out. And I really like that about each other. Yeah, that aren't getting it right yet. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's what is such an interesting narrative thread all the way through four where, you know, number one, yeah, they are the partners and adversaries. Then they kind of fall in love or whatever, or at least in lust, right? That fizzles out and break, they break up. Then they're reunited. They kind of rekindle that spark. And that leads them to be like, well, if we keep coming back together, let's get married. I'm filling in gaps, obviously between the games. And then, yeah, it is what uncharted three does really well. And we talked about earlier, right? Of like, Nate's obsession with having to do this, and everybody's like, oh, "Do we really have to do this? Are we really treasure?" But it brings them back together, and then we get to four, which I don't know how much you, if you guys are going no spoilers or whatever for four as you get there. But like, I think four opens in such an interesting, albeit depressing, place of mm-hmm. like Nate finally settled. He finally settled down, but he settled, and it's not like he doesn't love Elena. It's just that he's not fulfilled, but he's jerked her around for three games, right? And an entire life of what this is and he's doing it now, but how can he still be Nathan Drake and also be married to her in a happy way? And I like that rather than that playing out in between the games, like these other pivotal relationship moments have, that's what Uncharted 4 is as they figure that out together and, you know, both come apart and come back together in the same game. Yeah, I think I also appreciate that they don't spell out clearly what their relationship, like the trajectory of it. Like you, you, you just get enough context clues for like, oh, okay, because I remember at the time I didn't even think they were married. I thought, they had been engaged and just maybe Drake got cold feet and just like ran off on her or something. So I, I yeah. remember like, Oh, maybe they didn't pull the trigger. And it wasn't until like years later, it was like, Oh no, they were actually straight up married. Okay. And like, you know, either way it works, but I, I like that they kind of leave it to you to kind of connect the dots and like, for sure. you know, they don't, they don't insult your intelligence, right? They're like, you can kind of figure this out. Well, I also like that just because like, not even just games, but if you look at movies, anytime they show a romance, on screen game or even books too. Usually the story is all about two people leading up to them hooking up or getting married. And like once they're married or, you know, they're together, the story's over. Yeah, they're good. There's so much other stuff that happens after that. That is interesting fodder for a narrative. And I like that they went there. It's like, Hey, what, what is the romance between two people who are married? Like show that a little bit, you know, cause as a person who's married, that is interesting to me. Yeah. It's like marriage is always the like safe zone of like, hey, you got here. That means you're smooth sailing for the rest of your life. Happily ever after. Yeah, that's the trick is like <laughs> once you're married, it's like not like smooth sailing and everything's done. Like 
if anything, like, yeah, there's still hard stuff. There's still, but there's still like a lot of romance and passion. And it's a sweet story. You can tell of two people who are, who are together and fighting and trying to like sacrifice and love each other over the long haul. I think that's cool. Especially Nate, who was such a, like Nate has such a tumultuous childhood that like, we still don't get all like completely explained, but we know enough about like what happened to his parents. And like, there's like clearly a lot of emotional baggage that he has and like so you apply like oh yeah he brought all of that baggage into this <laughs> this marriage <laughs> and clearly it you know caused it to kind of implode it seemed mm-hmm. like it was his fault whatever happened well for sure he's got he's self-destructive right you know all he yeah. knows is to chase his own tendencies and again you know to pull from four we see him as an orphan right then you see him on the streets here in three and then you see him get in with victor sullivan who for all we know and as we know from his stories right has never been the father figure has never, at least not the, you know, the, the what you'd want to see on 50s TV father figure. <laughs> like he's raised him to, he's raised Nate to be another him, which is this gallivanting adventure woman in every port. And he's going to go try to chase his fortune or whatever. And so, yeah, yeah this whole th- narrative thread throughout these games of, you know, Nate and Elena is that Nate falling in love and knowing there's something there, but then also pulling away from it because it's all he knows and screwing it up and over, over and over again. And like, Again, I think this game does an interesting job of starting us in the aftermath of his latest pull away and screw up to get us back to the point. But yeah, Uncharted 4 does a really good job of letting us live all that stuff that happened off, se- off screen. But I know yeah. that's your next episode, so I won't get into that. <laughs> no, but I think you're bringing up some interesting points. I wanted to talk about Sully too, because I kind of feel like Uncharted 3 is the Sully game. I mean, I know he's not the main protagonist, but it feels like out of all the Uncharted games, it feels like 3 does the most with Sully in an interesting way. Because the yeah. first game, he's there is something about him in the first game where you're like, I kind of like that guy. I don't know what it is. I think you know the voice actor does a, brings a lot to the table. Like Richard McGonagall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then two, he's still there, and and he, and you like him. But it wasn't isn't really until three where you get to explore his history. And honestly, Naughty Dog, make a young Sully game. I think that'd be so Ooh. cool to like explore his history and back when he was Nate's age. What was he getting up to? But I think they do a lot with him, and it's interesting to see his character as a young person and then also his relationship with Nate as sort of this father figure as you were already talking about yeah because the whole thing with three uh, again like I love is the idea that Drake is kind of like I don't say taking advantage of Sully's trust but he is kind of relying like hey this guy's gonna follow me everywhere and like everyone else is kind of backing out I know I can trust him even when he like the times when he's like hey I don't know or like give me a chance to slow down I'm not young anymore and just like ah come on you've been through worse and there's another great line where uh, when you meet Elena and they have that private chat with Sully off on the side and she's like, Dude, like, I'm not so much worried about you. I'm worried about him because, you know, he's going to follow you. Was, was the line like, oh, he'll follow you to the ends of the earth, but mm-hmm. you shouldn't ask him to, you know, like he's yeah, got to do really it. Good. Of course, that's not the question. But is that right? It's so cool, right? Of like that. Again, why I like Uncharted 3 is that they start asking those kind of questions, whereas, you know, Uncharted 1 and Uncharted 2 didn't because, of course, they're, I felt those are the more standalone Indiana Jones, where these are like, all right, cool, you know these characters, we have to do something with them, so why not start going into that and teasing it? And even, you know, the red herring of killing uh, Sully, right, and seeing Nate yeah. deal with that Again, a little bit. <laughs> twice that they've done that now. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> the first time yeah, they, we didn't know, we didn't care. Yeah, the first time I, just, I, I believed it, because they're like, oh, I guess he just isn't important. I guess they just killed off that old guy <laughs> this time you're like, no <laughs> well i don't know before we maybe move on should we talk a, 
at all about multiplayer? Did you guys spend much time in the multiplayer? Not as much as two. Like I mentioned last week that I was really into Uncharted 2's multiplayer. I remember dipping into threes for a bit, but for whatever reason, I don't. it just didn't grab me the same way of twos. I don't remember maybe if it was like too much of the same or if it was better or worse, but I remember like diving in for like a week or so and be like, eh, this is okay, and then never really touched it again. I don't know why. Yeah, I played it and I enjoyed it, but I'm in a similar way of like at this point in my life, Uncharted 2 and Uncharted 3's competitive multiplayer blend together. What I remember about 3 is it's the one that introduced the co-op stuff where it was like the little mini missions where it wasn't anymore get in, deathmatch, whatever. It was now, I'm Nate, you're Sully, whatever, and we have to get through and I forget what exactly you're doing, but I remember doing it and being more excited about that than I was about going head to head with people. But they also had the, this is where they had the, like the booster things too that leveled up as you played so it was like it, it was being a, a more real multiplayer game but i do think uh marcus makes a point that right of like it was okay it's more of the same well you are is there enough different from uncharted 2 to uncharted 3 and again i'm not the multiplayer guy so it, it wasn't yeah. something i spent hours on it's one of those things where there's there's so many games that focus on multiplayer especially these days even games that focus on just competitive multiplayer and that's all they do and that's their specialty so if that the fact that uncharted 3 and uncharted 2 had multiplayer that was competent at all and fun at all was kind of impressive but yeah i i didn't spend a ton of time in threes multiplayer i think i did got that out of my system in two but by my my account my memory of it and like talking to people who played it my my understanding was that three was a little bit better than two even like they had refined a few things and People seem to like the multiplayer in three. It's back when, you know, everyone and their mother was like, we're making a single player game, but we're putting a multiplayer in it. Don't worry. Don't trade right. it back to game. Stop right away. Like, There's going to be a reason for you to play and keep going. And so it was, I remember, remarkable that here Naughty Dog was doing this and they were fun. But I think it's at a time when even if PlayStation, because you talk about PlayStation Studios now and what is PlayStation Studios, right? It's these big AAA single player narratives that you're going to love and have all these like, you know, uh, blockbuster moments and feels and it's going to, you know, be cinematic. And yada, yada. this was a time where even if PlayStation didn't know that was their identity, I think the PlayStation fan base did to an extent where it was like there, there's going to be hardcore people who will play this, but it's not going to be the majority of people. Majority of people are showing up to play the story and then bounce to something else. Yeah. Well, Marcus, I feel like we hit a lot of the story beats already, but I don't know. You want to run us through the story if there's anything we missed? Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing we haven't talked about is the, like what they're actually trying to chase after. Like, what's the MacGuffin in this game? And this time, oh, yeah. it's well, that, so I think you said that last time too. And it's funny that we can talk for I don't know how long we talked like half an hour <laughs> about the story, and we didn't really talk about the quote unquote plot, whatever that main through line was. But we talked so much because this game, the series, does such a good job with the characters. Yeah. And that's what's super memorable about these games. Yeah, I think I said it last time. I was like, that's what I'm in for the games. Like, the adventure they go on is almost inconsequential to me. I just yep. want to hang out with them and whatever weird little pirate ship or temple or whatever they want to go explore. It's like, whatever, cool. It'll, it'll probably be entertaining. And I'm like a history nerd. So, like, I'm going to be entertained no matter what. I, I legitimately couldn't. I remember that, you know, her, she needed the ring to put in the thing to turn the thing. <laughs> That then reveal uh -huh. the next clue, the next clue, the next clue. And we eventually get to the Lost City, right? That's where we were trying to find the, a Lost City. Is that right? Yeah, it's the Lost City of Ubar. Okay. Located in, in Yemen, I believe. And they're going because they think that there's treasure there. And I think out of all the Uncharted stories, or at least up to this point, this is the most complex. Like, there's a lot of, like, weaving, like, story weaves of, like, you know, the false leads and dead ends and, and stuff with the, uh, like you said, finding the ring and then 
finding the thing that they put the ring in and going to like the tomb to find another thing and they're going to france they're going to syria i do love a good elaborate ancient puzzle box thing like yeah. anything if it's made out of stone and it has a bunch of gears in it yeah that's pretty good <laughs> you know and it's a thousand years <laughs> that's old good. i'll take that I, I'll yeah take i do that. love yeah. those elaborate systems i also and i completely forgot this was in the game until i rewatched it but they have those uh those weird spider things when they have those like light oh the scarabs pulse. right yeah or not even scared they're like straight up spy i thought they were just they, like oh, okay. did they do like the mummy did they just yeah, rip that, off the, the, mummy? From the mummy yeah yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah that's, and i was like oh no there's like spiders like i don't remember any of these segments because they pop up multiple times and it, it's yeah, like a, the, yeah i do remember those guys now yeah and it's straight up a light it's like a plague tale innocence basically of like stay in the light because you know there's like you're surrounded by this swarm of like basically piranhas with legs that'll just tear you apart in seconds and i'm still not entirely sure where they came from it's like i guess they're tied to the lost city even though we're like hundreds of miles away from where that ended up being so like i don't know what these things are exactly but you just kind of go with it like i guess they're connected somehow but yeah you find out that francis drake was part of a secret society with queen elizabeth and like uh walter raleigh and all these like influential figures and that he had been sent to find this city by the queen because it turns out there's like a hallucinogenic chemical something like substance that poisoned the water supply and was and drove everyone crazy that went there and that's how the city collapsed and somehow the queen found out about it and was like hey if we get this we can use this to like take over the world basically we'll just you know we'll poison everybody and they'll go mad and they'll follow us and then drake like he gets he he doesn't find the city but he finds enough breadcrumbs to kind of figure out what was going on and then he abandons it and covers up his traces and that's kind of the and as the uh the heroes kind of figure that out. That's when everyone starts backing out. And I, that's what I like about the story because everyone like Chloe and Elena, especially they start asking like, wait, so like Francis Drake, you know, he traveled all this distance, got to where we are, then just noped out of there <laughs> and, then, and, and then covered up his tracks as best he can. He probably did that for a reason, Nate, you know, maybe we should stop. And, you know, Nate's obsession, like, no, no, no let's keep going. Let's keep going. And, you know, he, that's, why and and he also lied to the queens and like oh i didn't find anything whatever you heard was false sorry (laughs) (laughs) like you said this was kind of the game where they started to get away from the supernatural a little bit by kind of explaining that because there was like a thing also about a genie and that the city had a genie trapped in a a, not a lamp but like a lamp something like that yeah yeah (laughs) a lamp like container if you will and you know there there was no genie you're like waiting for the reveal like are we gonna get like robin williams like a dance sequence at a certain point (laughs) (laughs) no unfortunately not um it's just like no there's just some bad water here like like, that's pretty much all marlo wants because you know she's uh the modern day leader of this secret organization like more or less kind of like the templars in assassin's creed Maybe they haven't quite conquered the world to that degree, but like a similar idea. And they're like, yeah, we can mind control everyone with this water or whatever's in the water. And there's bugs here, too. That's <laughs> there's bugs here, too. <laughs> we don't know what those are all about. I don't know if we want to use those in our plan or not, but <laughs> I think they uh, updated the game like two days before release and squashed all those bugs. Terrible, terrible. Let's <laughs> move on. Let's move on. Um, but yeah, and uh, this I think the uh, the other thing with this game outside of the main plot is like the uh, getting to see Drake's past for the first time. Like those you mentioned, Greg, like chapter two, the first time you see like young Drake, he's probably like what teenager at that point. 
seeing how he met Sully and also seeing like not how Sully met Catherine, but established like, oh, yeah, these guys have known each other for a while. because They're like working together when you first meet them and stuff. Also, Catherine barely aging. It's like, oh, she kind of just looks the same, same haircut and everything. I guess she just likes that. Yeah, she was a classy looking lady. Yeah, I mean, hey, she knew it worked for her and stuck with it. Back in the day, in the lead up to Uncharted 3, I forget after which trailer it was, I had put up this thing on IGN that was just me going down the conspiracy rabbit hole. And I had a theory that she was like 400 years old. Like I thought like, because again, like we're so used to thinking of there's going to be the supernatural otherworldly twist that I was like, I I took all the stuff out of this like teaser trailer. And I was like, well, this is that. But Christopher Marlowe's tied up in this as well. And so maybe Catherine Marlowe. And I had all these reasons that I thought she was 400 years old. And then it just turned out, no, she's a normal old lady. Like great. She's just a lady. Do you like those, Greg, the supernatural twists? Do you think they add? Because I know in four that feels like they moved away from it. So do you do you wish four had more? I no, I I like it not being there. I I like that they can tell us. I don't. It's not that I like or dislike it as much as I like that it doesn't have to be that. Because that was my problem with two, right? Where I was like, oh, this is the same thing again. Whereas like three, if if two would have come after three, and we had a, you know, like oh, okay, cool. There, I get that there's weird stuff happening in the world, but it doesn't have to always be tied to that. Like I don't. I, I remember in Uncharted one specifically. When you get into uh, the underground or the the um, uh, submarine stuff, and it is like, and like the, it's like kind of like until dawn, like monsters start coming out. I remember being like, "Oh my god, I loved that at the time when it was." Oh, this is a normal adventuring game, and then all of a sudden there was this. Oh no, it is not at all. It's, it is Indiana Jones. This is going to happen. That part I loved for Uncharted Two. I was like, "Well, clearly this is how it's going to go." <laughs> like this is you already showed me how it happened in one, and then you do the same thing again. Yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, we've talked about it a little bit. Like, I kind of like how they landed in four, where it's uh, not really even in three had a little bit of it. I like when you're you can kind of explain it away or. Yeah, I guess I like it both ways because I like Indiana Jones and I like that it has that mystical element to it and they don't need to explain it. I think that's the thing that bothers me sometimes when you feel like we're going to have this mystical element, but we're going to explain away these zombies because it's a plague. Like that, you always feel like you have to have a scientific explanation for it. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. It's sure. like they're afraid to just say magic, even though it's like, yeah, you've gotten this far, you may as well just go all the way. Yeah, magic. Sure, just just have magic. That's fine with me. Yeah, I think the balance for me is like I think the lost city stuff, like them finding this mystical city that was only known in legend, is like enough for me. Because I mean, that's like magic in itself. Like, wow, this thing that we thought that exist is real and we found it and look at this place. It was like, that's incredible. <laughs> like that, uh, and I almost feel like sometimes that kind of gets glossed up. Like, no, look what you found. This is like yeah. the discovery of a lifetime. So I don't need like, I don't need the city to be occupied with magical people. It can be a dead city. That's just got like treasures everywhere. And I'm for like, sure. that seems like a nice balance for like this world. <laughs> Anything that beyond that maybe feels a little bit much. Yeah, I guess it was two years later, 2013, that the Tomb Raider reboot happened, and it felt like they were pulling a lot of stuff in from what Uncharted had done, but they were definitely leaning into like, yeah, it's just supernatural. That's just how it is. And I kind of like how the Tomb Raider reboot took that, at least that first game. Though Tomb Raider had always been historically super, and I mean, the first game had like dinosaurs and stuff. (laughs) So bring back the dinosaurs, get them in there. Yeah, what the hell? We love dinosaurs in Uncharted. Yeah. I would take... an Uncharted game with dinosaurs. You know, there's going to be a scene when Sully and Nate riding raptors together. 
Come on, neighbor, gotta go. <laughs> I I named Blue. this one Sully. Sully Raptor has a cigar sticking out of its mouth, <laughs> a little mustache. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be perfect. But yeah, I think by and large, like like that's sort of the broad strokes. I think we we'd be remiss to men- to not mention the maybe silent MVP, the Tenzin of the. We talked about last week how Tenzin, the the Sherpa guy from Two, oh, yeah. became like this weird cult figure in that game where people really liked him. I think that Charlie Cutter is kind of that for this game. I like Charlie. I kind of want more of him. I don't think because he doesn't show up ever again after this, from what I remember. I don't think he shows up in four at all. I don't think so. I think they they reference him at one point in four. Yeah, that sounds right. I remember something about Cutter. They call out they call out Charlie. Yeah, I think I mentioned it last week, but there was something where the voice actor was going to originally be a bigger part of the game, but then he got a job a job or something, and he had to go, and so they worked in that. He, he gets that accident, hurts his leg. That's how they write him out of the story. But originally he was going to be a bigger part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Graham McTavish is like a guy I still see it all the time. He's been on something recently on Netflix that I was watching, but it doesn't matter. But he's still doing yeah, a whole bunch of like uh, live action stuff. We need to get him his own game. You know, after young, young Sully, give us, I don't know, Cutter's Adventures. Cutter. Age cutter. <laughs> he's, the, he's the kind of guy who I bet just always looks like that. He like spends 40 years of his life. He just looks like that. <laughs> he's like the, the, uh, the uh, teacher, uh, Mr. Strickland from Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. always the same age. <laughs> he bald just, heads will do that to you. Yeah, you know? exactly. By the time you're in your mid 20s, you're just that's who you are now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think Cutter's great. I think he's he's up there for some of my favorite, like, I guess, one off characters. And yeah, I guess, you know, it ends with Nate and Drake, I guess, getting remarried or, you know, proposing. I think the final conversation you mentioned it earlier with uh, Sully and Drake is really good. Like that whole like, hey, you know, I I made a lot of mistakes. I am not a role model. And, you know, I, I'm probably the closest thing you've ever had to a father figure, even though that is not what I envisioned when we when I took you in, basically. But yeah. You know, maybe you don't blow it basically the way that I <laughs> don't <did>. be like <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. Even though he acknowledges he's not that person, he still gives him a good speech at the end. Yeah. I think that whole conversation is like genuinely really sweet. Yeah. Well, does that does that do it for Uncharted 3 then? I think that kind of covers everything, right? I think so. I think mean, it's a lovely game. You know what I mean? And again, yeah, it gets a bad rap because it followed Uncharted 2, which was a great game as well. And I think that, yeah, comparisons were obviously going to be drawn from that. And that's why people are, I think you get into that one has to be better than the other. And that's why it gets kicked around so much. What do you guys think the subtitle was referencing? Drake's deception? Multiple things, right? Like, I think it's the deception of who he really is. I think there's the reveal of that. I think it's what we're talking about earlier, the deception of what he's really doing. And like, he keeps stringing people along until like, we have that conversation. Like, wait, wait, wait. wait they, they quit here too? Like, this is what happened? Like, I feel like he lies to his friends a lot in this. From yeah. my memory, I haven't played it in a long time. Yeah, I noticed that the the first and third game both have Drake in the title, and then the second and fourth have Thief in the title. And I always thought, are they doing that on purpose? Is that a weird coincidence that you know Drake's Deception, Drake's Fortune, and then what Among Thieves, Thieves End? It's just interesting how they parallel each other. Is that something they would continue with five? Would they work Drake into the title? Which might be weird. It depends who stars in it. Yeah, that's what Mm. I was just saying. Mm. It could be Drake's legacy, and it's not about him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they've already used legacy. Well, I guess they don't care about using the same words, I guess, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just think that uh, I brought that up. Drake legacy. I don't know. Yeah, I only brought that up because I think that out of all the untitled or uncharted subtitles, that is the one that's the most up for interpretation. The other ones are pretty straightforward. 
Doesn't it also play into uh, Sir Francis Drake? Because he deceived people with what he yeah. was really doing with this, he, right? Like, yeah. He lied to the queen. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. the same way that Drake's fortune obviously was, he was looking for Sir Francis Drake's fortune, but then it also is Nathan Drake chasing his fortune. Yeah. Good question, Marcus. If anybody knows out there, write in, let us know. I'm curious. There was one other thing I wanted to talk about before we totally go, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but about a month after Uncharted 3 came out, another Uncharted game released, if you guys remember this, and it was Golden Abyss for the PlayStation Vita. Did either of you guys play this game? Oh, yeah, I played this game. <laughs> you kidding <laughs> yeah. me? Yeah, oh, I remember. We... Uh, I, I forget if I reviewed it or if Colin reviewed it at the time at IGN, but we imported our Vitas from Japan and it was the first thing like jumped into and played through and did all that with. Yeah. You want to talk about uh, what Marissa Chase, right? You want to talk about random name pulls of people from Uncharted's history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Marissa Chase and this prequel to all that. And again, another young Sully, but not as young as he is in this flashback because it's before this, but he's, yeah, Less I remember this game. Sully. Yeah, because yeah. it's before <laughs> it's before Uncharted One is my understanding, right? right? So that's why Elaine right. is not in it. But it's like an adventure with Nate, and it, they're definitely setting up Marissa Chase as like a love interest. But it doesn't seem like they ever get any very far. Because this is one. This is another one that's very much in the brand of like, oh, we're making Indiana Jones, where Indiana Jones mm-hmm. has you know whatever uh, woman he's going to romance in that movie be that part until obviously later. But you know what I mean? Of like, this is what it is. And yeah, she was there for that part. She was along for the journey on that one. Yeah, is it yeah. Chloe in that game, or am I mistaken? <sighs> I don't remember that anymore. I don't recall. I don't think so, but I might be swinging and missing on that one. Okay, I couldn't remember if that was the game that kind of established their relationship because you know the first time you meet Chloe, you're like, oh, these guys already know each other. They have a history. Right. Well, they know. They know each other biblically. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah, uh, to answer your question, Ben, I that I never played it. It's the only Uncharted game I ever played, and Whoa, it's only really? because I never owned a Vita. That's that's it. If I had a Vita, I would have bought it. I always wanted to buy a Vita. I never, this is getting into the Vita itself, but the library never got to the point where I wanted to, I felt justified to spend that much money on top of those expensive memory cards too. So I was always waiting to buy it. And then that, the incentive never came for me. And I'm surprised yeah. like that it was never ported. Like I know it's got touch controls they'd have to rework, but there's been so many other kind of like handheld games that have been brought to console. I'm still surprised that that's locked on the Vita at this point. I think it's one of those that complicates the legacy of Uncharted. Uh, for, for the record, I'm looking at Chloe's wiki here on Uncharted fandom. It, she did not appear in uh, Golden Abyss. Gotcha. But it is always that thing when they talk about the Uncharted collection or this, that, the other, and they never, ever mention Golden Abyss. And it's like, you kind I can kind of get it because you're making the case, of course, that these are the Naughty Dog games. That's the Sony Bend game. So it like complicates the legacy to include it in there and then have it be this thing. But like, I think if that game would have been a huge hit and it would have like, oh man, people were still talking about it. I think you would see it included there. But as it stands, I think it's kind of like a Jack and Daxter Lost Frontier where it's like, cool, this is a game that came out and it, it, it was, it's, it's, a, yep. it's a spinoff tie-in, whatever. It's fine. It's good. It's whatever you want it to be. But it isn't something that you need to get into the weeds of like, if we're talking about what it is and what Uncharted is, you know, just the development costs like you're talking about to go through and like, all right, well, because you know, I don't even, the touch stuff was optional in terms of climbing like you could do it if you wanted to but it was mainly the one of like they had the stupid ones of like they were using like invisible ink and you had to hold it up to a light source and i remember being on a plane with my vita (laughs) holding it up to the like in the middle of the night like holding up to the light trying to get whatever it was to do yeah there was like i think i want to say you're walking on tight ropes you had to use the the that might be right too yeah 
you would cut down bamboo or something in your path with the machete by swiping at the screen. There's sure, stuff like sure, that. Sure. It felt like there was a a lot of that, honestly. A lot of let's see how we use the Vita in It was a launch title, ways. right? And it was, yeah. yeah. They for some reason thought everybody's gonna want to swipe on the front end back, and that's what killed the Vita. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine playing a game like that on a plane with just weird touch Looking controls. Like a, we gotta do things yeah, and you're like yeah. in between two people <laughs> that are just looking at you like why is he what are you doing moving his device around like that but it was an okay game i remember having a fun time with it but i don't it's not super memorable i don't remember the game at all other than character moments i remember marissa chase being there i remember young sully i remember the parrot and then i remember that it was too long it it was a game that like i minus that and then now lost legacy i have the platinums and all the uncharted's right and i was like of course i'm gonna platinum this and i remember my Next, I had to do the crushing playthrough of Golden Abyss and getting to the part where you got to snipe and you have to cover Marissa. And I was like, this sucks. I'm out. <laughs> I was like, and it was out. how much more is left? Oh, there's a lot left, too. And I hate this section. I'm like, I'm just not going to bother. It's yeah. also not a game where you really need to play because it, it's not really yeah. relevant. I don't know. There's true. nothing in it that is important to the larger franchise. Yeah, honestly, it's the, it's the Arkham origins of Uncharted games. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. that's a good analogy. Came out December 7th, 2011. We gave it an eight. Matt Helgeson, who was working at the time, gave it an eight, which I, I've been saying he reviewed our first two Uncharted games. Apparently, he reviewed the, the first three and uh, Golden Abyss. So he re- reviewed four Uncharted yeah, games for us. Mr. Just Uncharted. His I reviewed Golden Abyss as well. <laughs> and I gave it an eight five. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to argue with you. I, I maybe would give it a little bit lower score, but, you know, some of that's just in hindsight. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You mentioned, Greg, that it's by Sony Bend, so the guys who were famous for the Siphon Filter series and most recently Days Gone, that was their game. Do you think you'll ever dig it up and play it, Marcus? You know, there's been so many times where I've gone to like GameStops or other game stores and I've seen like used Vitas and I I, I always <laughs> hover over them for like five minutes like, is this the time? One of these. Yeah, right? Like it's cheaper now and I, this is like the only thing I don't own and I've always loved the device. I was always like angry at Sony for not supporting it better. I've like, this Using this, this is such a well-made handheld. It's so like I want to buy this, but you're not letting me. I'm trying to give you to my money. Um, so like I think one day I will finally pull that trigger because that that is really the only like there's very few Vita exclusives because so many of them were on PS3 or, or PS4 to like a lot of games like like Sound Shapes or something like that. Sure, that would probably be the number one game I would play besides like Persona Four. Well, I mean, even Persona Four is on PC now. So yeah, it pretty much just be that one. Freedom like, Wars. I, you could still get Freedom Wars and go play Freedom Wars. A great Vita game. That Tearaway game was pretty good. I know they re-released it on. Yeah, PS4, I have it on PS4. Think. Yeah, but it was a little bit different on the Vita. Yeah, it was cooler because they used the like pads and stuff like that. Right. Um, I remember playing the demo of it at, like a Vita kiosk. Poor Vita, rest in peace. Yeah, poor Vita. <laughs> Godspeed into the night, young young one. Young Vita. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but <laughs> going back to Uncharted 3, as we said, that came out, you know, just a month earlier, November 1st. We well, gave remember it a nine- too, the one thing, the one thing, sorry, and not, not to be nickel and diamond here, is that, of course, you're reviewing like I was off the Japanese copy. It wouldn't come to America until February uh, 2012. So what happened is the Vita launched in December in J- Japan. And so people imported it and, in, you know, it was dual language tracks and it was region free. So it was whatever. And that's how we all got You're around. talking Golden Abyss. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, a good clarification yeah, yeah. then. Yeah, it was a few months later then, technically. Still felt like it was overshadowed by three. Oh, 100%. But anyway, uh, Uncharted 3, we gave a 9.5 to, and you've said, Greg, that you gave it a 10. Infamously. It's a good game. 
Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great game. Sony has said that they shipped 3.8 million copies globally on launch day. That's shipped, not sold, but that's still pretty impressive. And I believe, you know, it's hard to get exact numbers a lot of times, but according to a couple of places, Uncharted 3's week one sales were double that of Uncharted 2, which is kind of wild. So it was a, it was a pretty big success. Yeah. Deservedly so. Yeah. At that point, the series, you know, we talked about how Uncharted like stacks up in terms of mainstream appeal. If it, if it's up there with like the halos or not, or if it's just like a gamer gamer series, I think at that point, especially after two, it kind of become more of a mainstream thing at that point. For sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Thanks everybody for being on. Thanks Greg for being on. Thanks for having me guys. This is a pleasure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank everybody out there for liking, (laughs) liking and listening. I'm just assuming you're liking it. If you're listening to it, honestly, (laughs) I've I've listened to this entire show and I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. But thank you for listening. Please like us. Leave us a review. You can follow me at Benjamin Reeves on Twitter. I'm at Marcus Stewart seven on Twitter. I'm game over Greggy on Twitter. Anything else you want to plug? Anything else you're working on recently? Sure. Oh, man. I mean, we're in the just like you guys in the harder review season. So if you like us talking about stuff like Horizon, come by and listen to or Elder uh, Elder Ring soon. No, Elden Ring soon. Uh, Come on by. Listen to the kind of funny games cast. If you want more PlayStation talk, we do a show called PS. I love you. XOXO each and every Tuesday. Well, thanks, Dan, Greg. Come back next week, everybody. We'll be talking about A Thieves' End. Not the last episode for us, but it does act as a conclusion of some sort. Yes. The, the end of the concept of thievery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thankfully, we got rid of thievery after that. <laughs> <laughs> but come back next week. And as always, don't be like me, kid. Can anybody do a Sully? Come on, Nate. We're gonna we're gonna go. It sounds like uh, a like 1920s gangster. But it's good. Like that. I can't. <laughs> oh goddamn Dorado. But that's just me dropping my voice. <laughs> Yours is way better at least. <laughs> and they're like, come on, Shane, Nate, let's go. Yeah.